Today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with my own rapid transformational coach, Ian Inguanas, who's helping me work through some of my own internal barriers to growth and that next level of Heather that I know is there. Now, what is rapid transformational therapy? Well, it's this technique that Ian will dive into a little bit more in a second, but it uses a hypnotic state to help you tap into your subconscious. Now, I know I freaked out half of you, but yeah, we're going to go there today. It gets pretty personal. Uh, It's a little Uh, unconventional. uh, week something I've been working with Ian on some limiting beliefs that I've had it's been interesting trying to explain to people what we've been working on because I feel like it's been an identity shift I don't know if any of you guys listening have ever felt stuck where there's like this uh thing calling you this this deeper level this other version of yourself that you can almost see and you can almost touch it but for some reason there's something that's holding you back and i almost describe it as like a fog that you're in and i feel like ian this is a sloppy way to explain what you do but i feel like you're the fog lifter and you come (laughs) in and 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 clear that mess and it's not injecting something that wasn't already there it's like Mm. you walking your clients through the fog to the other side of being like look Mm. look at Mm. this I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Likewise. It's been fantastic working with you. So, yeah, I'm I'm super pumped to have this conversation. What's the official way to describe what you do? Well, first of all, if you want to talk about lifting the fog, you're actually doing it yourself. I'm just guiding you into it. And that's the beautiful thing about this. Like you're in total control. I'm just bringing to light some of these conclusions, these false conclusions that you've made about yourself in your life, right? It's such a liberating thing for for the client. But it's a wonderful thing for me to watch just someone adapt and evolve. What I do, yeah, is just take people by the hand that want to make a change and just get them to question things. No bias. I get to a place where they can actually almost take a helicopter view of their life, right? And that's what happens in these hypnotherapy sessions. And you've gone through it and you see things, you look at events and experiences, and then you retrospectively look back at what meaning you gave these things and half the time they're not true what you were feeling at that point was real but the actual meaning wasn't even true and especially now some 20 30 for some 40 years later sometimes it's not relevant in your life right now we hang on to it okay mm-hmm. so the one thing i try and explain a very easy example is if Let's just say a little girl was sitting at home and she's waiting for daddy to come home. Loves dad and wants to run and give him a kiss and dad comes home and has a really bad day at work. He comes in, little Heather comes running to dad and dad goes, not my sweetheart, and goes to mum and closes the door and has a chat to mum. And you're sitting there going, dad doesn't love me. Like literally walked straight past me and said, no one doesn't love me. Unbeknownst to you, little six-year-old Heather, that dad's just lost his job and sitting there talking to mum going, we've got a problem now. That event that just happened, you just gave a whole new meaning as a six-year-old Heather. Right mm-hmm. now, if we spoke about that event to the 37, 38 year old Heather, and you sit there and go, I remember that time and that feeling, and you can look now with your adult eyes and go, Wow, I've, hang- I've hung on to that subconsciously. That had such an effect on me that I never let it go. 
Most people go through this all the time in different ways. And the unfortunate thing is we don't take the time. I mean, even you can't really do it by yourself. You can start becoming aware of your subconscious beliefs. But if you sit down and start questioning things about your life right now, that's the start of being curious and going, where where, where do they come from? Why do I not feel good enough? Why Mm -hmm. do I feel like I'm not lovable? When was the first time you experienced your own hypnotic state? Close to three years ago now. What happened? Yeah. Funny, I was um, actually started studying psychology. Um, I was ready to leave the corporate world. I've always had a fascination with the mind and body. What were you um, doing in the corporate world? Always a senior manager. Yeah. So um, I worked for places like uh, Weight Watchers, um, Garmin, Australasia, or the GPS Watchers, just sales, head of sales, um, which I, I enjoyed. I love, I love people. I really do like working mm-hmm. with people and I do enjoy relationships. Um, but I have always had a fascination um, as an athlete. Um, I've always had a fascination with the mind and body, the mind in regards to psychology. Um, I used to sit there and wonder, had you know, wonderful athletes around me when I was competing, and you know, it'd be funny to have two athletes in in training. They would just go head to head, and they'd be amazing to watch. And then during game time, one would rise and one would would fall. Like one would um, rise to the occasion, the other one would crumble, and you wonder what just happened. Like with the mind and, and you see it time and time again, how some people just have a mindset of just, I'm getting this done and they do it. And some people just fall short for no reason. So I find that fascinating. And so I started uh, studying psychology. I actually went through a very life-changing experience seven years ago um, through a separation, divorce, and that really altered um, a lot of things for me. Um, you know, they say a lot of times um, through crisis, we grow, we start asking mm-hmm. a lot of questions. And certainly for me, I did. And there were just things that I just got curious about myself. So when I started having a look at um, talk therapies and I was going through counseling myself at that time, it never made me feel really good talking about a problem. I was like, you know, you go in every week for, you know, six months. How do you feel today? Well, pretty crap, mate. You asked me <laughs> last week. You know, like, so nothing was changing, right? So because you keep replaying the old story. And so I started studying psychology and I thought, this is really strange. I loved understanding um, sort of the neuroscience part of things and and um, behavioral science, which I'm still passionate about. But there were other things I thought, I don't really like talking about past events. That doesn't make mm. me feel any better. And then I, st- I stumbled on, as it happened, a, a story about hypnotherapy and how many um, doctors and psychologists and psychoanalysts were using um, hypnotherapy now because it was so quick and so effective. Mm. And the difference really was that in hypnotherapy, you don't talk about, continue to keep talking about an issue. You go to the root cause. Why do you feel that way? And do you need to feel that way any, any longer? So you're, you're finding the reason why. Whereas talk therapy, you're just really talking about the same thing over and over. It's a symptom. And so this is where I thought, oh, this is something different. So I'd, I'd been doing some counseling for about oh, maybe six or eight months and I had just had enough of it. And I thought, I'm going to try this. And I had my first RTT session. I looked at Marissa Peer and I studied for about six weeks research, research and thought, I'm going to give this a go. And man, it was just, I mean, I've had, I've had three big sessions and um, the first session was just, I mean, you've been through it. But for me, it was um, talk about the fog lifting. It's like, Wow. Like it was that feeling of, it was so weird. It was a realization like I have a choice. I have a choice on what I want to believe moving forward. And that's a big thing we all forget. It is such a fundamental part of who we are as human beings. We have a choice. Who we are today, 
who we want to be tomorrow and who we are today does not define who we get to be tomorrow. Mm. Right. But it's, it's making a choice to change. Mm. Right. And change takes some work, but that first part of choosing, um, just like you made a choice, it was something that you weren't happy about, uh, and you were brave enough. And I use that word, not lightly, like you need to, it's, it's, you need to step into the fire. Like, you know, it's, um, it gets easier, but, you know, change is always hard at the start, but it does get easier. Yeah. And uh, once I had that first session, it was just, wow. And so I fast-tracked my two-year learning in, uh, I did in eight months in uh, 2020. I used uh, that whole year of COVID to, to just start the business. So I was like, I'm, I'm in it. So I sort of made uh, lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> you, you talk about change and that's a word that is used so much in the personal development industry. Mm. And I have so many books over there that's like, you know, change is a choice and you can, yeah. you know what I mean? And sometimes it's yeah. like, whatever, like I still can't do it. Like we hear that and we know that. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between being revealed that, hey, I actually have a choice like being versus being told that you have a choice by personal development people? Like anything, you have to believe that you have a choice. That's the first thing. If you don't believe that you get to choose, well, then, you know, that's the whole thing about subconscious beliefs. It's never going to happen. If you don't believe something truly, you won't hang on to that um, for long-lasting change. Okay, so the first thing is believing that we get to choose and, and when we can when we can change. The second part where people fall down, there's two parts here. Number one is when we talk about change, change being hard, we try to do too much way too soon, mm-hmm. way too quickly. It's like a runner. You're a runner. I'm going to talk about I'm a runner. It's like someone that goes, wow, I can run 5K, just did a 5K park run. I'm going to go and do a half marathon tomorrow. Like it's madness when you say that. You laugh at that. I laugh at that because I think you wouldn't say it. But we do that. Like people sit there and whether it's weight loss, I've been a couch potato for, for years and years, but I'm going to go from here to there. That's the first thing. We try and do too much. And the reason we do that, Heather, and this is Behavioral Science 101, is we discount the future uh, more than the present, right? We so when discount a, the future more, more than, than the, the present. present. So we discount how little things done today, tomorrow, the next day consistently can change our future versus something that I want, I want instant gratification right now. Right. Right. So, and this is a problem with change, which is a good habit. Good habits normally don't reap a reward today. It's six months down the track. A bad habit normally makes you feel good in the moment, but the consequences in six months' time, but we don't see that. Mm. All right. So, the smoker feels good right now, lighting up. Oh, God, that's so good. It feels so good. Six years later, lung cancer. Yeah. The person that wants to binge eat and have a craving, oh, my God, I just had that 10 donuts and I feel so much better now. Six months' time, they've put on a ton of weight or they've got diabetes or whatever. Yeah. Right. So that's the hard thing with change and any good habit. You know, the reward is not now. Well, then how how in the world do we keep ourselves, I guess, motivated? That's the big thing is like if I'm wanting right. to lose, you know, 10, 20 pounds or whatever, and yeah. I'm eating this way, drinking the water, or whatever, and I'm weeks in, I've, yeah. I've, I've experienced it myself where you stick into the plan in a few weeks, you don't see anything. Yeah. And you feel like something's off. So, yeah. So, and this is the part of behavioral science I love. This is the, this, this, the phase two. We can hack, absolutely, we can hack the way we behave um, and twist it around in the right way. Who tell so, me? It's a massive conversation, but there's things that can be done in regards to making habits obvious. Um, James Clear, Atomic Habits, yeah, great yeah. book. Katie Milkman, um, How to Make Changes, another great book. I've probably read about six, seven great books around behavior science. And once you understand why we do things, 
you don't fear the unknown, then we can change. We understand how we can hack the mind to get things done. So making things obvious, making things um, very simple and easy, small step changes, gamifying things, you know, making the the hard work fun through good experiences, like reward type mm. things, massive conversation. But the one thing I talk to my clients about early on is always go back to the fact that if we've got enough patience and give ourselves enough time, we can adapt and evolve to anything. But it's anything. that patience. Anything, anything, it's that anything, it's that patience that we're missing. Mm. It's that patience. All right. Most things that you want to do in life, if you've got a, a long enough timeline, you've got the passion to put the work in, you're going to be good at it. All right. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's learning a new skill. I remember playing the guitar. I taught myself guitar in six months. Yes, I played piano for 15 years, but I remember just that hour every day, every day, every day, and I got it done. Like <laughs> six months later, I was like, wow, I'm playing the guitar. Where I was sitting there mucking around with chords and couldn't, all of a sudden your, your hands are just moving and you're sitting there in moments going, wow, what just happened? How do you um, see being realistic though? Do you have any kind of thoughts around, you know, like realistic goals versus like if I said, Ian, one day I want to be a, a famous uh, TV host and have this nationwide and I want to have a six pack when I'm 50 and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> These are totally not my goals, y'all. Is there ever a time where I need to say, Heather, be realistic? So here's the thing. When I talk about goals, I don't really hang my hat on a goal. A goal or a vision is great. That's the direction I'm going. Now, what I worry about is the actions, mm. okay? Because actions or action is the only behavior that will get rewards, right? Over time, doing the actions that are required, you're going to find out where you're at, okay? Now, this is where we start going to talk about a growth mindset now where you have to not just hang your hat on the actions. Then if your actions aren't creating the outcomes that you want moving forward, then you've got to reassess your actions. But my counsel to people would be your goals are your goals. Whether they're realistic or not is not for me to say, okay? But um, I would, there's a process. The actions are definitely what I worry about. If you're doing the correct actions and you're slowly moving forward, long enough timeline, you're going to get to your goal. Now, six back pack abs, whatever it is, only you're going to know um, how close you are um, as you go along the timeline. Short answer is goals are great, but it's the actions that we've got to worry about, right? And even if you only do half of what you're supposed to do consistently, you're going to get somewhere much closer to your goal than you were today if you're doing nothing. And all that Makes goes sense. back to addressing, I guess it, it's so, wait, what's so interesting about you is, and, and this message is I feel like I've interviewed tons of people on like spirituality and subconscious. Mm. And then I've interviewed a bunch of like behavioral type people over here and marrying these two together is so cool. Oh, it's <laughs> because got everything to do with each other. Absolutely. Tell, tell me more about that. So actions are going to get me there. But in order for me to do the actions, I need to really work on subconscious level type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because you cannot, your subconscious mind will never allow itself to be contradicted. So the subconscious mind, the role of the subconscious mind is not to keep you happy, it's to keep you safe and to do what it believes you want it to do. So if you've got someone that um, has a belief that I'm a shy person, I'm introverted, I'm not the life of the party, in fact, I don't even believe that I'm uh, really interesting, but then consciously they're going, oh, God, I'd love to meet some new people and it'd be so good to get all party and dance. There's a conflicting belief right there. Consciously, you're saying one thing. Subconsciously, you're, you, you've got another belief. 
you are never going to find yourself at a party, being the life of the party, dancing in front of everyone, <laughs> while you've got those subconscious beliefs, is contradicting. It will never happen. So that's why we say your subconscious beliefs absolutely draw, draw to your experiences and events. It can be no other way. Mm. It just can be no other way. And that's why when people fall out of habits or fall out of something they want to do, the first thing you look at is the subconscious beliefs. Most times, again, if you are sitting there not identifying as a person that is able to be fit and healthy and, and looks after their body, why are you going to exercise? Right. If you do, you're one of those people that try and do it for a couple of weeks and then go blow this. Yep. It's all too much. Yep. Because that's where we start using willpower and willpower will always run out of puff. Willpower subconscious will always mind, run out of puff. Always. Your subconscious mind is king. Your conscious mind is a slave. So while your while your conscious mind might try to power through for a couple of weeks, the sub, the, the subconscious will. It's the big V eight engine. It's just gonna go. Okay, you've had your fun now. Now rack off. So if I create a plan, like let's say this is my intention, and these are the habits that I'm going to create to support that intention, and then I start noticing a few weeks in that I'm slacking off. I'm not doing blah blah blah. Is this an invitation for me to I guess go back and like hone my personal development time or Absolutely. what do I need to do to get back on the train, I guess? Absolutely. So when people say, well, how do you understand what your subconscious beliefs are and if I don't work with you, the easiest way to work on this and understand where you might be at in regards to beliefs is how you're feeling and more importantly, the negative feelings that come up. Huh. Okay. So for instance, if you're walking down the street and you see someone step into your dream car, that car that you see yourself driving, do you feel excited going, oh, my God, that's so hot, that's amazing, or do you feel jealous and envious, right? Same as if you have a girlfriend ring up and go, Heather, oh, my God, I've met the man of my dreams. He's amazing. Life is wonderful. We're doing this. We're doing that. Are you excited going, this is amazing. Oh, my God, I can't wait for my turn. Or are you sitting there going, again, envious, jealous, feeling yeah. resentful, going, I'm alone. Well, yeah. good for you. Where's my man, right? That makes sense. Notice these things. So I tell people, and this is the conscious awareness piece, be very conscious and aware of moments in a day on how you act, what you speak, and the thoughts you think. Mm. That will tell you everything about where your beliefs are lying. Okay. Right? Yeah, it's, a, it's the fastest way. Now, you know going through this work, there's so much more involved in this, and it's why I do what I do. It's why I've got a coach for different reasons. It's very hard to take this journey on your own. I would almost say impossible. People just don't don't last. We're not built that way. You need someone to hold you accountable and to pull you out of the emotion of what you're going through and, and start looking at it logically, right? Which is what mm. we have a coach for. Um, but if you just get curious enough, you're going to start noticing some things, and that's where you said curious from. a lot. Tell Absolutely. me what's curiosity's role in all this? Curiosity is everything. Judgment is what we love to do. And again, when you're judging yourself on anything, that's also a belief. Belief or not, that's a belief manifesting. When we judge ourselves, it's a belief. When you're curious, again, you're sitting back and having that aha moment. Like, wow. Yeah, it's um it's like um yeah, it's taking that that elevator, helicopter view and noticing as a as a conscious awareness. Going, wow, why do I speak that way every time I'm in that situation, right? And this is why reviewing is also really important. Every night I sit down and review, where did I fall apart today? What conversation mm. was I a bit mm. abrasive? Like what, what scenario happened today? Or what um, confrontation did I have where I, if I had that chance again, I, 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 I'd 
attack that differently. Interesting. Show up differently. Yeah. It's that awareness. So curiosity for me, curiosity is a nice soft way of, of going, being interested, being interested and in showing myself that I'm not attaching to that. Right. I'm curious because I'm like, oh, well, I'm noticing. It's very different mm-hmm. than judging. Judging is like right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. We're humans. Yeah. You're doing this work for the rest of your life. It's never yeah. done. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the place that you have to get to to be able to practice awareness over judgment and really identify these beliefs. And this is, you need to get in a really good place to do this, right? Like yeah, really working. Time. Yeah. So, you know, we all know everybody listening to this show is personal development people. We know get up in the morning or whatever, create time, journal, meditate, blah, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, what's, I guess, I guess the missing key, because I'm sure you were into personal development when you were in sales and you were an Mm -hmm. athlete and you were probably doing some of these things. Yeah. Tell me like the switch and the difference between like what's taught in personal development versus what you're talking about. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, the game changer for me, um, is, or was, it all comes. The only thing, the most important thing is knowing yourself. Knowing yourself. That is the key. Once you understand your ego, once you understand your beliefs, once you understand just how you um, can turn up at times, once you understand those things, then you're going to start creating change because mm. you can't you can't fix something you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just oblivious. It's just like throwing darts in the dark. So for me, true personal development starts with understanding who you are, yeah. the parts you love, and the parts you don't like. And again, I'll say it every time. It's not judging the parts you don't like. It's loving yourself because you're doing right. the best. Right. And those those beliefs, those bad habits or traits you've got, the things you've just picked up, they're learnt. Right. If we had a choice, we wouldn't be a jealous person. Right. If we had a choice, we wouldn't be an angry person that snaps because a car pulls out in front of one on the freeway. Right. So you've got to love yourself enough to go, wow, you're doing the best you can, but I'm going to change this. Mm. So knowing yourself is the first part and then understanding and believing that your environment, the world around you is a reflection of you. Is a reflection of me. Is a reflection of you. So homegirl's rude to me down the Mm. road and that's a reflection of me. Well, the way you react to it is. Interesting. Because if it meant nothing to you, you'd be like, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I know know myself seven years ago, the man I was seven years ago, if someone was rude or annoying to me, I'm going to give it back to you. <laughs> now I just send them love. I'm not going to be walked over, but if I can turn the other cheek, I'm turning the other cheek. Yeah. You're right? Because yeah. it's all about how you feel and you don't know what that person's going through. So if you can show love and compassion, I think you and I had this conversation, uh, one of our first meetings, there's only two, um, two emotions you can live by. It's either love or fear. Yes. Love is all the, the, the beautiful high-flying feelings, the compassion, the joy, the happiness, the gratitude, fear, it's all those really ugh, feelings like you're just walking through quicksands. Yeah. The jealousy, the resentment, the lust, the yeah. lack. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, but it all starts with if, if you're good with yourself, really, then you don't really bother what someone else thinks of you. As long as you know you haven't upset that person, they've got their opinion, that's okay. If someone's triggering you, there's an issue there. Yeah. Something will only ever bother you if, if it has an attachment to you, mm. right? And to get to that place, is that meditation, working yeah. with your coach? What else? I mean, is, um, is that really it? Yeah. So, so 
for me coaching, I, I bring these things up to light to my client. <coughs> Excuse me. So you will, you will bring these thoughts. Hey, I'm feeling this and this week this happened. And we'll, we'll, <clears throat> excuse me, lightly discuss that. And again, you will find out what you've concluded to that. And then you will have enough awareness to question it. And you go, oh, you know what? That's pretty silly. Why would I let one person's comment on Instagram right. spoil what I'm doing? That's the first part. Meditation is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Now, meditation is something that is very personal. Um, I, I say with my clients, it's part of the program. I, I really try to get them, uh, and we've discussed it. Sit down at first. It's just noticing your thoughts, just noticing them, right? Let them come and go. And what we want to try and do is at the start, imagine them that a thought is just like a, a train coming through the station. You just watch it go by. You're not jumping on. You're watching it go by, right? Because we have a, we have a, a real attachment to our thoughts. We jump on before we know it, we're, we're off somewhere with it. So we, we try and just notice it. Go, oh, wow. That's funny. Oh, I was feeling jealous about that yesterday. Oh, that's good. Ooh, I had to do this speech. I'm feeling a bit anxious about it. That's interesting. What? Not attaching to it, just noticing right. it. All right? right. And then your meditation evolves. You go from noticing your thoughts to really just finding a space where you're not thinking about too much or you think about one thing because you can't really stop thoughts. And then it just evolves. But meditation is a big one where you can learn control and focus. There's mm-hmm. one thing that we don't have either, right? We, we, again, we talk about distraction. Not feeling good right now? Grab Instagram. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay, I'm not feeling good now. Just jump on Netflix for 15 minutes. Not feeling good now? Facebook. Right. And if it's not Facebook, right. it's this. Right. You know, so we don't like sitting with our thoughts, right? So we need to learn to sit with our thoughts and, and understand that we aren't our thoughts. Don't we judge them. Yeah. Don't judge them. Yeah. Just let them go. Right. And once we know we can control our thoughts, then we can create better thoughts. And when those negative thoughts come through, which always will, Mm-hmm. We can just go, yes, yeah, I know that one. It's not needed. Mm-hmm. Take the day off. It's okay. I feel it. like there's all these, you know, we use these these techniques and stuff a lot of times to kind of heal and cope with things mm-hmm. like we should. But then there's like this other side to it where also <clears throat> there's so much more to explore inside of us and our, our potential. And I think that's the part that really excites me. I've yeah. Heard it described once. There's like some meditation guru person, and they were mm-hmm. talking to this kid, and this kid was like, "Meditation's so boring." And she said uh, something along the lines of, "You know, you view meditation as like uh, like like a swing going back and mm. forth or whatever. It's like this repetitive thing without viewing it as like a video game yeah. where you go in and there's all these lands to explore, and like inside of you, there's like." this whole world that we haven't tapped into. I think that's what just gets me so fired up, Ian, is, yeah, yeah, I want to get past some of this crap, but also, too, what other levels of Heather have I not tapped into yet or even considered? Absolutely, yep. And so, and this is why it's it's a journey. Forget the 12 weeks with me. You're on a journey now for the rest of your life. That's Mm -hmm. what we, we are supposed to do. We're supposed to awaken to who we are and what we can be. And that question of who am I, like... I mean, there, it's it's a rhetorical because you're ever you're whoever you think you are and want to be. It's selling your infinite, right? That's a yeah. whole other whole other discussion. But talk about meditation. Meditation is, is wonderful. It takes practice, but again, we talk about things that are good for you. They take time. It's yeah. an art. Yeah. And if you just stick with it, and again, don't do too. That's why I say to my my clients when they first start, two minutes on the clock. 
I don't care if you think you can do more, two minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then we talk about we build up this um, fatigue resistance where we right. actually want to do more than go, oh, I want to do less. I'm tired of this. If you do too much too soon, you, you miss that fatigue resistance, right? You're building an appetite for it. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I can sit there for an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, I love my meditation. I'm up at 4.30 every morning. I'm gagging for it. I mean, it is because it is. It's like it's this wonderland. And it's a learnt thing. And my, I look at when I started years ago, I couldn't sit still for two minutes, Heather. Yeah. I literally remember now I still laugh. I was in my apartment in the city and I was doing that, um, uh, what's that app on the phone? Um, headspace, calm. Headspace, headspace. Mm-hmm. Two minutes, forget it. Yeah. Two minutes, forget it. But it just evolves. You learn so much about yourself. And, you know, I've, I've, I say to anyone that will listen, my, 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 Three passions for for grassroots for kids. Um, if I had the chance to work at that level, I believe I believe they need to learn how the mind works, behavioral science, why we do the things we do, and how to change them, and the meditation. Those three things for me. If we taught those our kids at a young age, those three things, those fundamentals for living a happy life, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, I really do believe that. Now, as adults. We need to we need to unlearn so much that we've learned, and that's why most of my clients are sort of around the late thirties, early forties, and beyond because they're taking stock of their life. They've gone, I've potentially lived half of my life now. I've got all this data and feedback. I've done things, you know, half right, half wrong. I've yeah. kind of got an understanding of really what I want. Why can't I just do it? And some people, which is really sad, will just go, "Ah, oh, well, this is just the way it is." Others have enough angst in their life to go, "Nah." For Not sure. Anymore. Let's go, right? And some teeter in between. They'll they'll call me. We'll have a call. I'm not quite sure yet. I'll go away. Three months later, they'll come back and go, yeah, yeah things are worse than ever. Mm. And that's the thing. Whatever you're going through right now, it it won't get better. It doesn't get better unless you you make a change. So to look at this uh, tactically, there we go. Yeah, um, I want to share just my experience and please chime in like any insight that you have with it. But from working with you, what I've experienced is coming to you with, okay, like you were like, okay, what's the issue? (laughs) Something like that. What's the issue? What's the challenge? (laughs) What's the challenge? And I was like, um, I want to stop drinking Mm. because I feel like that's keeping me back from my ideal weight. Mm -hmm. And there's like a few pounds that I'm just like, and I've been attributing that Mm-hmm. to the drinking to the weight. So when we got together, we went through, which side note, even just your questionnaire kind of made me rethink a bunch of stuff right. <laughs> yes. because you're just like, why, you know, like really, really yeah. questioning that. So by the time that you and I got together, we went into, was it a hypnotic state, I guess? The yeah, first well, session? Yeah. Well, that was, it was um, more conversational hypnosis. A conversational <laughs> hypnosis. Yeah. Where you were sort of just staring to space. And remember, I'll be sitting there going, what's happening now? I'm like, I don't know. That's really yeah. weird. It was weird because I remember it, but also too, I couldn't, I can't really tell you everything we talked about because Correct. I don't really remember everything. But I know Correct. that walking away from that, and then you told me, and it was true that, you know, the following days there'd be things that were just kind of coming me, yeah. up for me. Um, <laughs> but essentially what, what I experienced was you asked me some really good questions around, yeah. um, I know you kept asking, well, what's stopping you? Well, what's mm-hmm. stopping you? What's stopping mm-hmm. this and what's stopping that? And it's like this uh, this veils over my eyes. Mm. It's like, I have been stopping me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I remember seeing it. I, I mean, I, I knew you were going to get there, but you were, there was this loop. We get going around, going around, going around. 
And then there's this moment, and it happened a bunch of times in that hour and a half we were having a conversation. There was a time where the, the conscious mind does get exhausted and then the subconscious jumps in. Mm-hmm. And then you had that that moment. You were out of that loop and you were thinking about it differently. Oh, why Interesting. then? Right? Interesting. It happened a number of times with you. Yeah. Yeah. But and if you texted me the following day, you had some more realizations, but yeah. Yeah. And I know there's so much more to uncover and unlearn, but where I'm at right now, just in a few weeks, is yeah. the main thing that came up for me was, and it was funny, you, you said before to me, you know, this is a symptom. It's not really the issue. Mm. I felt like what's been uncovered so far working with you is that I have had such a um, a, a narrative around what it means to be successful and isolating mm. myself from people. And there was a deep mm. need there to remain complacent because I, I associated that with having friends and having people who want you because the more, the better you get, the more you yes. isolated you feel. And there that's was like that's, a narrative. That's what came through. Yeah. You were losing, not gaining. I was losing, not gaining. And even your drinking, your drinking was a time to relax and enjoy. And if I didn't have that, I was losing that. Yep. That's that's exactly how it all started. You had a thing about the more I do and the more truth I live, I'm losing, but you're not actually gaining. Yes. 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 And so since then, um, Mm. what we've been working on is thinking about, well, first of all, the awareness piece of like during Mm. the day, like, Am I in a hypnotic rhythm, like of just doing things to do them, or am I fully aware and conscious of the day to day things that I'm doing? And I think that's where I've been at for the past few weeks is just a lot of awareness and yep. asking myself why I'm doing certain things. And also, too, um, you know, you gave me a, uh, a hypnosis to listen to at night and really tapping into yep. beyond personal development because I, I yep. do personal development, but of more of a spiritual, mm. deeper work. Mm. Um, which has challenged me to start building different habits throughout my yeah. day. So that's where I'm at. What, what's your yeah. perception of this? And is this normal, like a normal thing that most of your clients go through? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's all evolving. The way I, when someone says, um, and it's a really hard thing to articulate, even you can't articulate it probably how you've been through it. It's sort of like once you've done, gone through hypnosis, it's sort of like a Pandora's box. It's open now. You're seeing things differently. And when you see things from a different perspective, remember we talk about the mountain, you're down here, I'm up here, and I'm saying everything's good up here. Just wait till you get here. As you climb up for that mountain, things that you're worried about, things that you had emotional attachment about, you can see clearly and go, oh, why was I worried about that, right? So um, you, you start having this clarity, and with this clarity, you start seeing other possibilities, new potentials. Um, and so where you were limiting yourself before, it's no longer like, oh, can I do that? It's more like, not how? How do yeah. I do that? Yeah. If I'm stopping myself, why am I stopping myself? And it's that curiosity again, right? I've not had a conversation where you've been judging yourself. Every time you've reached out, it's been excitement. Yeah. It's like, damn, man, I found, figured this out. I was thinking about this and there's never been a judgment from you. Yeah. Right. It's that curiosity. And it is. It's just like that, that onion, just peeling that layer back and go, oh, there's more. There's more. Like, and every time it gets better and better, and every time you you step up and level up, again, you've got that evidence. Mm. Well, I just changed that. This is the person I was last week. Look where I am now. This is where I was six weeks ago. Look where I am now. And mm-hmm. that's where the confidence comes. That's where that, you get that, that feedback loop. And that's what I'm saying. After the 12 weeks, they're good. You know, you might touch base once, once every few months, but you're pretty good after that. You know, you've got it. And then it's just sticking to the work. It never stops. It just gets easier. It just gets easier. It just gets easier, right? 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Ian, I have one question left for you, but sure. first, thank you for changing my life already and mm -hmm. opening the door of something that I'm going to be willingly running through constantly the rest of my yeah. life. You're freaking awesome. You're putting out some amazing content it. in the world, but you can work with our listeners. You can help more people. Absolutely. How do they find out if you're the right person for them to work with? If this is a good match, what's the best yeah. way for them to do that? Sure. First of all, let me thank you for allowing me to take on this journey. Like it truly is. I'm grateful every time I work with a client. It's an amazing thing. It's very personal. So thank you. It's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to the next half, two thirds. <laughs> works in. Yeah. But anyway, um, so listeners, if they want to contact me and, and learn more, um, they can reach out, book a call through uh, Instagram. Um, there's a calendar link in my bio there or jump straight on my website, eninguanes.com. They can just book a free call. That free call is 20, 30 minutes. Um, it's funny. We start unpacking things straight away. They don't even realize it, yeah. just like our conversation. Uh, that's that's the way to start. Um, I can answer any questions. We can understand where they're at in life, where they want to be and, and fill that gap in. And, and we just go from there. It's that simple. Wonderful. All that be linked in the show notes. Very last question. Sure. You know, now that you are seven years in whatever to to this work i'm just curious from like a you know just ian the man who's mm. walking through his own personal <clears throat> development journey and digging into the next level of you yeah. what are some reflections that you've had about your own capacity your own life and things maybe that have been revealed to you over the past few years from a personal standpoint that maybe you never even considered when you were in sales and doing all that what how has this changed you Oh, well, um, big question. Easiest, easiest answer I can give is probably it's shown me, not just me, but as humans, what we're capable of, which we, we truly are uh, to a point limitless. You know, if we can believe it and see it, we can do it. Right. But for me, I think the biggest change in my life is really, again, learning who I am and loving all the bad pits, but knowing that I can change, like literally know that I have a choice on who I who I want to be, how mm. I want to present myself to the world. And the biggest part of all of that is in, if you turn up differently, if you show up differently to the world, the world has to react with you differently. That's good. It's got nothing to do with the external or other people around you. If you turn up differently, the world and everyone in it has to react to you differently. Mic drop on that. With you. It starts with you. Yeah. Hey, y'all, before we go, if you've not connected with me over on Instagram, head over there right now. It's at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. I would love to get to know you over there. Again, that is at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y.